The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. I'm excited about this. Today's guest is the singer-songwriter, record-maker Josh Ritter, whose new album, Sermon on the Rocks, is just the has in this uh, in in this new dark ages. It, <laughs> yeah, it has brought me a tremendous amount of joy. So thanks for that, oh, Josh. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. So I've heard this word joyous associated with the record a bunch of times, and and you're you're singing about the world that we live in. You're you're not pulling any punches. You're on the album. You certainly talk about estrangement and being back together and you certainly talk about uh the way in which we judge people Mm -hmm. and about things like the ephemeral meaning of home and all this stuff and yet people find are finding i think this joyous abandon running through it was that intentional is that how you think about it well i think this last record was the first time uh with sermon on the rocks where I, i i realized fully that what you're doing in your life should be an adventure and I wanted the record to be an adventure, and I wanted writing it to be an adventure. You know, I just felt like if I wanted to really live my life, I had to kind of be unbound. And and this record was the first time where I felt artistically, un, like in my own, not not by other people, but like in my own kind of heart unbound. Yeah, aban- there is this sense of unbound abandon. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I you're suppose. saying that was as much as one can intend to be unbound. Yeah. That was you're in. You realized you needed to sort of consciously become free. Yeah, yeah. I needed to. I needed. I mean, I needed to know what I was, what I was doing. Uh, but I thought like that. That what I really, uh, what I really needed to do was 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 just stay kind of loose and limber and and an unselfconscious and and uneditorial and for as long as I possibly could. Oh, that's great. That was a question I had written down to ask you later, which is because you're such a craftsman, you know, this is your eighth album, right? Yeah, yeah. And um we tweeted back and forth a while ago. I I've known about your music. I bought your first album and have known it and always thought, oh that guy's a real quality songwriter. But then I find almost never happens is that sort of like in the mid period of an artist's career, I think you've, you've made what people in sports called the leap. Like you've, you've just gotten to an entirely different level of execution. Thank you. And you were like, I'm just getting started. That's yeah, what you wrote back. Yeah. But, which is a good song title for you. Actually, <laughs> just getting started. But, but, uh, but I had this question, which was because I've also read about your process a little bit. And I wondered how you balance when, and because you're, the craftsmanship in, in your lyric writing is so clear, uh, it, it's, it's, it's so obvious if one listens that you're thinking about meter and every word really closely. But I'm wondering when that editing process happens for you, how you balance the bursts of artistic inspiration yeah. with then, is it through rewriting? Is it while you're doing the first version of the song? Like, how does that work for you as a writer? For me, it was it, it always happens at the same time. Um, if you know, if when I'm when I'm really moving and I'm in the zone, I feel that there's just something that comes over you, and and there's no such thing as a rewrite. You, you there is only the like the this this putting together and taking apart in your mind 
what is going to what is going to fit together and what the meter is and the meter comes automatically it becomes like the the kind of uh rules you work within and and there's no there's no such thing as a rewrite and when the song is done it's just done it's uh it's like i think that those two things the 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 inspiration and the execution in those moments are 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 dovetailed to the point that they're kind of for me indistinguishable and so you never go back and and go the second verse isn't good enough i would i would say on rare occasions i'll i'll i'll, I'll say like this part i was kind of i was i was kind of coasting here and like this this and i'll try and rewrite um you know oftentimes though if i get to a point like that in a song i start to realize that the rest of the song has a flaw and i just like you just untie the whole thing yeah i just, just take it apart it. and give it give i just don't i just like forget about it so if that's your process once you get the bit in your mouth yeah. you don't stop no i i i, I even usually, if it takes a day like yeah if it takes you know i, I think i worked on uh, i've worked on a song for a year and a half you know writing a lyric here or a lyric there but but mostly when i'm you know when i'm when it's happening i'll i'll i'll, I'll be working on it all all in a couple days and then right, and then you're just in it so you're actually even though you're not rewriting from afar you're basically not considering it written yeah until you think you've kind of plumbed it yeah yeah until it's you know and, and there are like there are whole verses and things that i'll cross out and i'll i'll uh and you know and 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 stuff where i'll, I'll move things around but but the song will just end up being done kind of when i lift the pen are, and are you hearing the record at the same time no i'm not and that's been like one of the biggest for me uh hurdles that i feel i've made is that that i don't write now to to for a collection of songs i just write and whatever happens happens and and i'll know that i'll end up with a lot more material than i'm going to you know use yeah. for a record but even even so that's like the record as the whole the album but i mean are you also are you hearing when you're writing the song the groove the instrumentation the harmonies like yeah is all that stuff coming to life for you then or is it coming to life for you as you take the band and play it as song and play it either with a band or in the studio that's really interesting i think that 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 uh you know for for this last record i i i was writing i was writing hearing the voices of my my musicians you know and i, I you know there was stuff that that I was really excited to hear Matt Barrick, uh, the drummer, play, and I I wanted to hear what he was going to do. I didn't know what it was going to be necessarily, but I you know or or Josh Kaufman, my guitar player, I, I I write with him in mind, you know you know for for some stuff, you know, it just helps me. Did you have the sense that musically, this I was I've been trying to think of what albums this one reminds me of um and where to place it because we all do that we like kind of, yeah yeah for some reason make these categories for in our, sure in our heads and i keep coming back to there goes rhyming simon oh wow yeah yeah which i haven't read many i mean i occasionally someone will compare you to paul simon but i really feel like this record has in its meter and in the way the lyrics are rhythmic mm -hmm. elements mm -hmm. it really feels like one of those paul simon yeah. records right Thank after you. he left the simon and garfunkel yeah you know? yeah yeah in those records had this kind of like lyrical realism and awareness of the world and storytelling, but they were somehow like lit up by this sense of rhythmic. Well, I love his, yeah, the, the way he uses rhythm is so incredible. And, and the way he produces his records is, is, is so cool. 
you know it's like the polar opposite i mean and and in in the same way that i'm i'm impressed always by 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 dylan's production and his sense of like freedom yes. i mean it's so inspired by paul simon's kind of sense of exactitude detail. almost yeah. like yeah. yeah no it's true somewhere in between dylan's and his best that sense that the thing could all whole thing could fall off the rails you never get yeah. that sense when you're listening to paul simon no no you, you don't think that it's going to fall apart no you know it's it's gonna like you know it's gonna all add up in some amazing way but i think to, to me that's going on in this record and also I, I so i was thinking there goes rhyming rhyming simon but i also was thinking a lot about graceland because of the the way in which this album is sort of a, there are character studies mm -hmm. of people in america yeah. at this moment thank you trying to figure out questions of love and hope and honor yeah yeah thank you yeah and i'm wondering if those is he a touchstone one of the touchstone artists for you like for who sure are? yeah i'd say like you know paul simon you know from i remember the first time you know my dad sat me down and said you have to listen to this this is one of the great artists of our generation of my generation he said and uh and i heard graceland for the first time and it was a it was just a shock you know it was before i learned how <laughs> to play music you know before i was really? ever thought about music you know it was one of those records that that it that sh just shocked me and uh and i didn't know what to do with it at that point you know except that i i learned every note and still you know yeah every, you know. me too i mean i remember i didn't learn every note because i'm a bad guitar player but uh <laughs> But I remember when I first heard like a cinematographer's party. Oh yeah. The way that that conjured a world. Yeah. Yeah. That it was inaccessible. Totally. Like that's that, you know, hearing that record in, 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 in Idaho and hearing about this like party that sounds like, Oh, a, 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 like a Woody Allen party or something, yeah. you know? And, yeah. And it was, it, it was just like, what is this exotic. world? How does this work? What do yeah. you mean? She's falling through that. I remember yeah. all of it. And I, I do, it has this, um, that album has this kind of strangeness to it where you can't really find its direct antecedents, like its own thing. Which I, I didn't, yeah, I remember like there was a moment when I, when, when he was talking about he's sleeping uh, with the bodegas and then I, I, I didn't know what a bodega was. I thought it was a type of flower. Oh, that, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. That makes a lot <laughs> it of sense. like a flower to me and, and, uh, and that you would sleep under it. And uh, that what a great record. Then you went to a bodega and it's like, oh, they have flowers for like 30 cents yeah. for a bouquet of <laughs> a, a dozen um, of them. No, I'm glad to hear though that the Paul Simon thing isn't a crazy thought um, oh, of mine. I, I, you know, you were, you, it's interesting. I was reading some stuff that, that you said and you were talking about how your advice to people. So I give, I talk to people, a lot of people who listen to the show are people who want to be, uh, want to access the most creative part of who they are. Mm. And they always want to know sort of like, how do I find an agent or how do I, and what's underneath the question always is like, how do I get success? And they always think there's like some plan for it exactly, or that if they could only sort of calculate it. And so I start, started saying to them, you know, calculate less, mm -hmm. calculate less than you think you need to yeah. when you're creating the work. Yeah. And I read somewhere you said, don't try to write a hit mm -hmm. as your advice. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with that so much, right? But but I also know that you had a big plan, mm -hmm. six I've six month plan, a year yeah. plan, a ten year plan, and that you advise people to do that. So how do you kind of reconcile yeah. those two? In a way, you're talking about the Dylan versus Paul Simon thing, which yeah. is discipline and abandon. But mm -hmm. how do you think about that stuff? Well, I I I I think 
early on, what what I I needed to learn was a sense of perspective. I needed to learn like that that you know s- selling three CDs at an open mic was you know a uh you know was an amazing victory that's a huge victory yeah that was what do you, mean you of, needed to learn that i needed to learn that that like that what my what i needed to concentrate on and what i still believe i need to concentrate on is my art and that when the when when there are things that i need if there's a, a, if, a if there's a need i have in in my business in my career that need will come along and 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 will be filled when when i need it and i feel that way about when when i first got a booking agent i was already booking shows i i was doing too much and and my booking agent came along and said i can do this and and that's when i needed help and i think by that, just doing the thing you kind of created this demand out there yeah you, when you're doing your thing and you you've got goals such as i want to play such and such a gig in in six months you know that's that's a goal that you have that's your own and and if stuff comes out of that that's that's stuff that you know you probably need you know but up until that point you probably don't need it you know if your art is like you're, you're if you're doing your art and you're doing it well the 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 the, the stuff in, in in your business and career i feel comes along it's interesting i i agree with that completely but um, when I measure that against what you did, you did also have like um, it seems at the beginning, like you while you were still in college, you made your first album and yeah. printed thousands of copies. Of yeah, it. yeah, I did. <laughs> and so, like, can you talk about what you're like? When did you realize? Let's go back further. So you said you listen to Graceland. You weren't yet a musician. Were you a writer? Like, what kind of kid were you? Were you? Yeah, I was you, like a. I was like one of those kids that just read and read and and. What and, were you reading? Oh, I, I, I kind of, at, at that point I was reading anything. I was reading fantasy. I was anything long. I was like wanting to read, you know? And, uh, I think, you know, maybe one of the first, first books that, uh, that, that really like lit me up, you know, those was, was, uh, um, was the ghostwriter by the Philip Roth. That was one of the first books that I, I found that like, and, and Huckleberry Finn, but like, you know, I, there was, there was books that, that I found, but then, you know, I loved, you know, reading like those big, those James Michener sagas and like sure. all the, all, you know, fantasy stuff was, was so exciting to me. Yeah. That's it. I, I, I get that. I wasn't a huge fantasy guy, but for me, the equivalent of that was like crime, but I love yeah. reading crime books. Yeah. Yeah. And then though, when you would get hit by something like a Philip Rudd, suddenly you would read for me Hemingway or yeah. you'd go like, holy shit, there's this whole other thing. There's a whole other world over there. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, totally. What That was one. And I, I wrote a lot, but it was like, you know, what were you, were you a good student or a bad student? I was, I was a, I was, I was a good student who, who had to work really hard, you know, <laughs> you want, so you didn't mind working hard. No, I mean, my, my parents are both like scientists. We come from like my brother and I from like a very academic family that was like expected. And, and, uh, so I, I worked really hard as a matter of course. And, and, uh, plus I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to, I, you know, I wanted to do well if I could, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't a joyful time. <laughs> That's right. Well, I was going to say, so what do you think, when did you start realizing that you looked at the world the way a writer does noticing things and being slightly outside right. of it all? Well, I think I realized it because I was, 
I was shoved outside, you know, not by, not by, not by like family, but certainly by, you know, the, all the kind of vicissitudes of, of junior high and high school, you know, where you're trying to try and like hell just to fit in and, and go unnoticed. And, and, and the fact that it doesn't happen and that no matter what you are, you are at the fringes, it, it turns you into sort of an, you know, an outsider, a stranger. Did you want to be unnoticed or seen for who you were? I, I was because in the early I, songs it feels like you wanted to partially be seen. I did, you know. I, I when I found songs, I I found a language that was mine that no one else knew, and like, and finally I I was able to like talk in a way that that made me feel like I, I knew what I was talking about, you know. And I you know there was there was sports didn't I was I tried so hard, you know, <laughs> and like you know, and and I wasn't good at math. I wasn't good at like you know all these like scientific things that that my my parents were good at. I had no spot, and 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 music came in and and said like this is this is what you know how to do. Did you have a vague feeling that um that you were different in a good way also, or did you? In other words, somewhere inside you, did you know like they're not seeing me, but but in fact, I'm special in my own. I think I had a realization that that I could put words together, and um, and you know I could put, I could I could uh, that I that I that I knew a lot of 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 the colorfulness of language, you know yes. that was, but that wasn't a point of pride. It was more of a a a, a point of curiosity and and um, a kind of befuddlement because I had nowhere to put it. Even, you know I mean, before you picked up a guitar, really? I or... wrote, I wrote like you know, like short kind of vignettes and and like short poems that that like I knew were just you know just short little things. Did you have a didn't... special friend or two who would like get a kick out of it, who you could show it to, or were you? Oh no, no. I mean, I had, I had, I had. There were people that I, that I had friends, and I had really good friends that I still have uh, from 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 high school, but 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 no one that I would ever show that stuff to, you know, just because I didn't, it wasn't, it didn't feel, I did, I didn't have that sense of like performance yet. And, and, and poetry seemed like, like uh, it just didn't have, uh, it felt like a car with no gas. So you, me. you were, that's good. So you were yeah. like, very poetic, write that down, but don't show it to anybody. <laughs> so, so, wait, so you were running like the full Emily Dickinson game in your head. Like I'm not gonna, I'm just doing this and I'm not gonna fucking show it to anybody. Yeah, yeah. And did you talk about it like in your college applications and stuff? No, I never did. You know, I, I think I just sort of thought of like, if I still think about it now, it's like, I, I sort of thought about like all that writing as, as, and as an excretion, you know, is like uh -huh. the ink was like, the ink is just another form of human. Yeah. The thing like, where you were one of those out. writers who you had to, <laughs> like, it wasn't a true, it wasn't a choice for you. Yeah. It wasn't a choice. It was just, but it was something that I, I had to do uh, in secret. And your brother, did they? Your, your... Uh, no, my my, I just didn't. I it was it was it was something like I think you know my family knew that I was a, a kind of a, a a writer and in my own way that I wanted to write, but I never I never considered myself like anything. But uh, I never considered my, that part of my life to be anything defining and a characteristic. So how did it dawn? It it happened with. Uh, Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan, the girl from the North Country. That was like, I heard that song and I and I knew I was going to be a musician. You know, where set the scene? Well, uh, my where? How old? Uh, I was seventeen, and and my parents had gotten a a CD player, 
like a you know one of those big ones that like plays six CDs, and um, our record player, which we never really played that much, kind of had been uh, banished to a closet. And I remember getting it out and putting it in my room, and uh, putting on the first record that I put on was a harpsichord player and then i took that off and i put on uh this bob dylan record where this guy i didn't know bob dylan you know i knew johnny cash but but i here's this guy and he's smiling down at the camera and and uh the album with lay lady lay on yeah, it yeah yeah and the first track is a uh, girl from the north country with yeah. these two just singing like 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 howling through the well, yeah bob saying that you know that i mean you could imitate i'm not going to imitate it because i have a <laughs> microphone in front of me but that you know the the dylan singing with that he only sang like that on that album. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. sort of really old Hank Williams. Yeah. You can tell now that he was going for this Hank Williams Sr. kind of a... Yeah, totally. How? It just cuts through you. Yeah, it's really, really fascinating. Fascinating song. Like now, it, it caught me in this visceral way. And, and every time I hear it now, I feel like I I, I hear... Um, you know the 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 that the, these guys like you know they need to shave that they're like they've been up all night that they're like a little crazy oh yeah, yeah. you can feel what happened between those two guys well, it was it's hard for people it's very hard for people to understand the radical how radical a thing it was for those two people to make that album yeah together at that time it was yeah totally yeah it was incredibly radical it was it was i think for some people like hearing hearing like the sex pistols for the first time or velvet underground or or you know um nirvana or something for for me like i i i was i didn't i didn't grow up with a like a in into like grunge or or anything i you know when i heard that record though i think that was yeah. that was the moment for me i mean yeah he he's my favorite artist of all time and um from but the the song that got me into him was joker man mm. and so that always is this incredibly special yeah. thing because that song is so weird people say what it's about but there's nobody can tell me what that song's about yeah yeah there's yeah. nobody knows what yeah. that song's about i don't know that bob doesn't matter now knows, yeah. but it doesn't yeah. matter at yeah. all um but when those it's true those records that were for right, that album came out in 1980 i was in i was 14 and i heard it a couple of years yeah. later and uh then went back to all those right yeah albums and it's hard to understand how wow. he, how he made that what's interesting when i think about your 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 when i hear listen to your first album i hear a kinship to the very first to the bob dylan album uh -huh. even though you wrote all new songs and bob only had two originals on that album yeah 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 it does even say that his influence is pretty plain upon the way that you sure thought about songwriting and singing even yeah for sure In the same way hank and Woody and those guys were for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, like I when I when I was making the record, I, I my very first record, and when I was thinking about it, and I still believe that that you it, you know that uh, that you can't and you shouldn't try to hide your influences. You know, if if you if you try, you're 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 getting away from the source of of uh, a very special power. You know, one of the things I love about Leonard Cohen is he makes me jealous. You know, I, and it makes me want to write more. And if I if if I end up writing in, in a way that makes me feel like the way I feel when I when I hear a Leonard Cohen song, then then I can't deny the the influence. I completely agree with you. Yeah. The wrestling with the influence is the thing. You can't yeah. try to. You have to wrestle with it. You have to try Always. to create your own work. 
mean, Harold Bloom was this famous lit yeah. critic. Yeah. Talks about the anxiety of influence, which is how do you, how do you wrestle with it and try to forge your own voice? Yeah. Going yeah. through it. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, I mentioned this before, but it's the, when Hemingway talks about wrestling with dead men, it's the same mm -hmm. idea. It's like, how do you forge your own thing? Yeah. While accepting this overhanging, gigantic, canonical. Presence. Yeah. I influence yeah know? well yeah you can't you can't live in your own in your own shadow for long you have to keep on like you have to try and get out of your your own influence uh, on yourself from before and but also like yeah i mean like dylan dylan is a he's like he's like the canopy you know the forest you yes. know you can you can be a little piece of grass trying to find your own little bit of well sunlight. that's the great <laughs> thing in that article with uh on leonard cohen in the new yorker when yeah. Dylan tells him you're the second best songwriter and he's like, well, who's the first? And it's just, uh, Bob was just like, look, dude, come on. I mean, we understand who's, we all understand who the best is. And that's, for anyone else to do that would be insane. Yeah. But he could do it, and you're just like, well, yeah, that's right. And he's like a like the those guys are like they're 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 a part of the culture. They're 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 enormous for for a number of different reasons. Well, Leonard Cohn is for people like you and me and probably a lot of people listening to this but he was i mean I, I remember hearing the last leonard cohen album in that two-week window before we knew that he yeah. was dying and dead before we knew he was dead and at a similar feeling i was like this is the album that that guy was born to make and he made it at 82 and yeah. i don't i mean it's like uh you want it darker it's like you can make the argument that's the best song he ever wrote oh it's so good yeah yeah <laughs> and record making too yeah. it's like it's everything you want to hear, isn't and this it? This burst of creative, uh, like with uh, you know, uh, popular problems, which is like one of my favorites too. It's like, it's it makes me feel so good for the future, you know. It, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. it makes me feel like he saw the doom. Well, he saw the he saw the the, the record itself is like is the darkest dark. album ever. I mean, yeah, but, yeah. But like to be able to, to the key line, that isn't it? Uh, you want it darker? I kill the flame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. And, uh, but he has this moment and then we'll talk about your music again right now. But if for people listening, if they don't know this album and they're like, Oh, some old dudes record, I could see like I, me having the same thought, but, but there's this moment when these cantorial voices come in saying like, Hey nanny, Hey nanny on this Leonard Cohn record that Josh and I both love. And it feels like, it feels like a conception of like, um, death itself mm -hmm. and, and and the possibility of a continuing world. And it's yeah. just so heavy. Yeah. But but what I was thinking about with all this stuff is that this album, and I think you just, by talking about this influence thing, I think this is the first album you've made where you've truly cast all those influences off. Mm. Like they're there. Yeah. But there's nothing on this that, even as I say that it, it uh, you could tell that you've listened to Paul Simon it does feel like you found a way to synthesize all this stuff and create an original piece of, Thank of you. work. Thanks. Was that is that intentional? I feel that like that I, I had with this with this record I I kind of came into my own and uh um realized uh realized as I was working that I was that I was doing something that was new. What did that feel like to you? That's oh, amazing. It's, it's so it's so freeing. It feels like it's you know it feels like you know when you're 
when you're a, a, a dog that arrives at the beach, you know, like, yes. and you can see for miles you know, and you can just run just because you know, it's all yours, you know? And that's how I felt, felt, felt like I just, I own the beach. <laughs> that's awesome. Write that down for a lyric. I'm mean, talking lyrics, motherfucker. I mean, that's amazing. That's such a great metaphor. Thank you. And, but uh, what I, I'm wondering if there's also attached to it, because I know sometimes in the beginning of a new creative thing, when you have that feeling, uh, it's hard to keep the doubts at bay when you're breaking new ground yeah. like that or not to feel scared. Are yeah. you able to manage that? If I'm working and if I'm working and I'm in the zone, I don't have to think about it. You know, you just do it. Yeah. And that doesn't mean That's like you, you have, I feel like there are fits. I have fits of grandiosity and, 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 and ego and that's that's when I write, you know, when I'm sure that it's the best thing that's ever been written in, you know, whatever song it should be. I feel like I need that kind of confidence. And when it comes along, I use it and I don't feel that way, you know, the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah. So are you able to be rational about the thing once you finish it? Because I remember when I was young, I would hope that when I showed somebody something, played it for them, that they would like listen to it or they would watch it or read it and then like put it down, look at me and just jump out the window. Cause they never had to hear anything again. Like, yeah, yeah. They yeah. never had to see anything again. This yeah. was it. Yeah. But then yeah. I like realized that was unhealthy expectation to put on others. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Are you able to divorce yourself from that moment of creativity to rationally look at it later? For sh for sure. It comes along to me, you know, uh, I, when I'm in love with writing a, a song, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just in love with it. But, but if I come back later and it's, it's not good, you know, it may sit in like a, uh, kind of an in-between sort of folder for a while, yeah. but, but it, I have no problem giving it up. Also, if I write a song and I feel really good about it and I play it for somebody, I feel like I know within the first 15 seconds. Oh, that's like a terrible yeah. feeling. It? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you take your friend to a movie that you love and they don't think it's good and you start to realize that, you know, maybe this is like, I actually don't like this as much either. Yeah. You it's know? a strange, it's a weird feeling. Moments. But yeah, I have use people that you trust that you can do that with. Yeah. 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 So that, you know, it's not just someone who's going to react, you know, it's the thing you feel as you're playing it. Yeah. So it depends a lot of, on, on who's in the room with that, having that chemical feeling. Yeah, with you. for sure. A lot. Totally. So going back to the narrative. So you hear that album and then you pick up a guitar mm -hmm. and you're seven, you're a high school senior. Yeah. I picked it up that next day. Yeah. Nor a couple days after. I can't remember. And but, taught yourself to play. Yeah. I used, uh, I, I remember I, I was just using that one song for, for a while because, and I couldn't believe right. I couldn't, you know, and then, and then, uh, I think the next sort of stuff I got was Mississippi John Hurt and I learned finger picking really by listening to him. You know, and so you would just listen. And how many hours a day are you playing? I was just doing it endlessly. I, 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 you know, it was there was nothing else for me but 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 playing guitar and, and learning how to sing while I was playing. And you know, because you knew that's what you were going to do. I'm going to be a singer songwriter. Like that's I, I what just, I'm going to do. I felt like I knew the language. I felt like immediately it was mine. You know. And uh, did you tell anybody? Um, oh, I, I think I, I told I told my folks because I gave up violin, <laughs> nice. the, which I was which I had been playing for years and which I hated the entire time. Um, uh, um, but do you but, think you got anything out of it in terms of understanding musical, like understanding I, the way music works? I, no? it, well, I learned I never learned how to read music. I couldn't I couldn't do it. Uh, but like I I I I, I would memorize 
these kind of longer pieces of music by listening to recordings and then I could play them. And I think I learned a huge amount about how dynamics work, you right. know, like the ups and downs of a song and like the ups and downs of music and how it has a narrative depending on how much expression you can put into something and how much you can vary that expression so that it doesn't become tiresome to listen to. Awesome. Kurt Cobain learned that listening to the Pixies and you learned it from violin. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. Boy, that the ups and downs are so cool. Yeah. Yeah. The Pixies, they're pretty. Yeah. That's true. They did. Though, that, yeah. They, they were amazing. That, amazing. That, figuring that shit out. But so you, so you, you start writing, you listen to these albums and then start writing songs while you're still in high school. You're mm -hmm. writing songs. Mm -hmm. You tell your parents, you yeah. tell your brother or whatever. Yeah. Do you tell anyone at school, your buddies? Did you start I, playing music for them? I started, I started, I did a high school talent competition and I played Everybody Must Get Stone. I played Rainy Day. Rainy Women. Day, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, which was not a favorite. Did you get in the, trouble? It wasn't a, it wasn't a favorite of the, of the, of the teachers, but, uh, I did that. And but then the kids I, must've loved it. Oh yeah. Everybody hollered loved the it. Whole time. <laughs> that was the first, that was kind of the first yeah. sort of time when I staked out who I, who I was. And I made a risk, uh, like a little tape recording of a bunch of songs. And I remember trying to sell it to my classmates. So I was, I was, I, I, I kind of came out of my shell and I wasn't, I wasn't afraid because I was the only one in my class who was playing. There was no rock bands or anything like that. Right. So then that became, you, you were able to grab that identity for yourself. That was who I was. Yeah. For, for about six months. And that's and then I graduated. <laughs> right. But that gave you a, uh, an armored coating and it, like that gave you, that gave me something, a cape or something yeah, like yeah. that for yeah. a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Rainy day is the first song on, uh, blonde on blonde. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you listen to it? Because I always start Blonde on Blonde on the second song. I I well, can't listen to that song for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it 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 doesn't it doesn't have the moment that I feel like the rest of the record. Yeah, has. it does. Right, you start on the next yeah, song, and yeah. basically you would skip it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because the first time you hear that song, you're so happy. Not isn't. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, he he it 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 it's it's. I like I like the sense of like carnivalesque of it. Yes, but uh, but I can I could go deeper. So when when you got to so then you go you, you get into one of the best schools in the in the country in, in Oberlin. You bring your guitar. Yeah, and what did you study there? I started out like on a path to study neuroscience, which is what my parents do. And, and I, you know, which was what we you talked. Know, you said to me, you weren't good at science and math. Really, I was terrible at it. I, I, and I didn't like it, but I thought, you know, you know, really like there was, you know, that, that was the career that I knew about, you know, my, that was what they talked about. That's what they loved. And I didn't put it together that, that what they loved was that. And, and, and what I loved was playing music. Yeah. So that was that difficult. Okay. So a lot of people go through this. Yeah, like, yeah. I know a lot of people listening to this are like right now being like, well, how, what did he do? Like, how did he manage that? Like my parents want me, mm. like I'm a lawyer because like I can hear it. i get letters from people, you know, yeah. I'm a lawyer. Cause my dad always wanted me to be a lawyer and I'm sitting yeah. in my office. Like, how did you, how did you kind of like come to terms with what you really wanted? And then how did you go about breaking like, breaking it to people and also just like breaking free. Like what was that like for you? It was really, it was really, uh, you know, uh, it was a scary thing for me to, to be, you know, kind of a, a ways on in college and, and, and feeling like the, uh, the, the thing that I had set out for me was going to be a joyless task in right. life. And, uh, and I remember calling my parents and telling them, you know, with great trepidation that I wasn't going to keep on doing science and to their, you know, lasting credit, they, they, they were kind of just laughing and said, we knew you would never do that. Really? You know? Yeah. They knew I didn't have that. And, and they knew how much I love music. And I, I basically said, listen, I'm, 
I'm going to, I'm going to graduate from college. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try and make, make it in, in four years. I'm going to try and, and, and be, be a full-time musician, you know? And, uh, and, and they were, they were, uh, not only, uh, like supportive, but sort of excited to see if I could do it, you know? And, uh, and it was, but I had to think about it in a way I, you know, I was so immersed in that world, uh, because of my parents that I had to think about my post college as almost like a grad school, you know, like four years of just working my ass off, like learning, trying to, trying to, trying to make it. And so when you were at school, you were playing, were you playing out? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I was just playing and uh, writing and we, coffee shops and writing and. Yeah. And then, how did you decide to make your first album while you were there? Like, to actually make an album, yeah, and print it up. You made CDs, yeah, I did, and make CDs and like. Wh- well, I I just decided. Uh, well, you know, there was like a, a was it free, scary? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it was a free free studio. I was like, I I was like, That's I think great. I can like, I think I can wrangle some credit out of. It. I needed credits pretty bad, you know, and I think I could get some credits out of this, and I and then I can walk away and and you know I'll print like two thousand copies of this thing, you know, and I had such confidence that I was gonna. And I remember the day that these these two thousand CDs showed up at my dorm room. Which was, you know, I, I think it must have come in like, you know, five or six huge boxes, and uh, I, I had no, I hadn't thought about that I was going to have to put them somewhere, you know. I sure. Had, you know everything about all the that. practical considerations. Yeah, yeah, and, and then you know how was I going to sell all these records? Like the fur coats and Goodfellas or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Put them in the freezer. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do with them? What do you yeah, do with yeah, them? Yeah, 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 totally. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do. I just knew I had to, I had to like get through school and, and, and did you take them to the local radio stations? Like I how did. did, cause you got a little bit of press, didn't you? Yeah. Back I, then? I, I sent off stuff to the local papers. I, I sent off stuff to radio stations. I, I made a list. I made a set of goals and I, I the goals I set for myself were sky high. You know, I went, how did you make this? Like what made I said, you, were you journaling or something? Like what made you, how did you come up with this as an approach? Well, I was thinking about, um, a radius on a map, you know, I was thinking about, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to play a show when I move, I'm going to play a show within five miles of where I live. And then I'm going to play shows within 20 miles, you know, I'm going to play shows in Boston. And, and I realized that to, to, to make these, to make these goals happen, I had to start small, but I had to have an idea of what the largest goal would be, you know, say like touring nationally or internationally. Right from the beginning. You're yeah. 20 years old, 21. And yeah. You're- yeah. And I, but I realized you got to start from the top. You got to have your big goals first and those lead down and boil down to this condensed. This is what I have to do tomorrow. So how did you know you weren't crazy? Which is I, what artists I, always wonder. About. I, 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 I think I, 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 I think I was just nuts. Right. Like, you yeah. Know, like, yeah. and the amount of writing that I was doing and the amount of like searching that I was doing and, and work that I was doing to make this stuff happen was not a normal, uh, way of living, you know, or thinking. And I, I know that now, you know, but I was just like, I was just, you know, uh, uh, like an animal with like fur and claws at that point, you know, that's great. Yeah. And, and, and were you getting good feedback from 
people at Oberlin or yeah. at the local. Like, so when you would play stuff, were people saying like, "Dude, you're good at this. You yeah. can do this." Yeah, people like people people liked the songs, and even though they were like very rough and 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 you know, sort of unformed pieces of things that you know, I didn't know how to make a a record. You know. Um, that people were people were always like super supportive, you know. Even of some of the last songs on the record, which are really h- horrible. <laughs> well, young writers always hate their some part of uh, what they do when they start out. And then, did it all go sort of according to this plan of of yours at the be- at the beginning? It it only it it did it did. Uh, you know, I, yeah, it went, it, you know, I knew I was starting at the bottom. I knew I was going to play open mics and temp work and, and play shows that no one was going to come to. It all worked just perfectly according to plan. <laughs> up through this point? Too? Yeah. Yeah. Like up till right now? You know, it, 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 yeah, it has, it's gone. It's, you know. Because and, you are, you do tour nationally now and you yeah. have a real following. Yeah. Know, you have people who wear t-shirts and identify as Josh yeah. Ritter fans. And yeah, Totally. And like, and that's, and that goes back to the, to the perspective. I mean, here is, I, I am doing what I love and I have a family and I support them. And I'm, I'm, I feel that like, that's, that's like, that's like success. Anything else I can, I can like. Oh, totally. Yeah. I agree completely. You're doing the thing you love and being responsible. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. <laughs> Nobody gets to do that. <laughs> totally. So Jason, my producer who's sitting here said, and, and this made me think I, he said you're one of the Hello. few songwriters who make him feel less alone in the world in the same way oh. David Foster Wallace did. Uh, wow. does. Thank and you. so I'm wondering how much you think about the connections your songs can forge with your listeners. Like, are you aware of this call and response thing mm. where you're putting a thing out into the world and it becomes something else when people listen to it and it's kind of becomes a shared thing? Yeah. How does you know, how does it feel to occupy that kind of space and to be that thing for people? It's, it's, it's kind of such an enormous thing that, that it almost, I almost can't think about it or, or, or wrap my mind around it. When I write, I write for me, you know, and, um, with the knowledge that, that people, that people, I have a responsibility to, to, people not to write songs that they that they are going to love but to write songs that I really love and uh and the 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 really the the back and forth with the with my audience is all about trust it's like you know people pay money and come to shows and and you know get babysitters and like and spend money that they would spend on other things and 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 I owe them not songs that i know they're gonna love but but the the explorations that i'm trying to do to like take things farther in 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 what i'm in what i'm working on you know Uh, that doesn't say that i i don't play lots of stuff from from the rest of my catalog that i that i that i love you know but i i do believe that my primary my primary role is as a as a kind of an explorer yeah i think that that makes complete sense so but it all comes down to like the trust that the audience has in in me that that they know that i've been working and that that what i'm trying to do is is bring things in a in a direction yeah it's so interesting because or thought provoking i'm trying not to use the word interesting anymore because i think we all use that word and it becomes meaningless (laughs) so i'm trying to replace it with thought provoking in my life uh but it's hard uh but it, it is thought provoking because i know that before i was a working artist the thing I would always want to say to artists whose work moved me was thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because it is this gratitude you feel as the receiver of it. Yeah. Yet when you're when you're doing it, it is all. And yes, it's a it's a complicated because you are doing it with an awareness that you're serving these other people. Yeah. But the truth is, like, you want to thank them. It's like, oh yeah, you're. It's a selfish act of creation. It is. It isn't. It, it's. I guess in some way giving because you could do other things, but it's complicated, isn't it? It is. It is. You don't know wh- whether you're doing it for for yourself no. or for other people, and that's and that in that in that in that way, it's it's intensely exciting because you know you never know once once a song is out there in the world and it's and it's doing its thing. I I, I don't. I don't think about them, but they're finding their way out there in this, uh, in this burrowing in, in a beautiful way that comes back to me in, 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 in such surprising ways that, uh, that it, it can keeps you inspired always. Do you like interacting with your fans or does it freak you out? Totally. You do. I do. I really do. I like, I, you know, to, to me, like, you know, we're, we're all, we're all living, you know, you know, the same, same lives, you know? And, uh, and you're documenting it, but we're all sort of living it. Yeah, we're all doing. We're all, you know. So it's it's always fun to like just talk to people about you know what they do and where they're from and who who you know who they're with. There's like you can you can talk to somebody for for so long, you know, just when you meet on the street. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome to hear that you do that. So a songwriter that you and I both love, uh, Jason Isbell. Yeah. Who we were talking about like you know is probably yeah. like the best songwriter out there present company excluded but um he said on twitter a while back and you agreed with it and like highlighted it uh if your beliefs are easily extricable from your work you might want to call yourself something other than an artist yeah and you were like absolutely you agreed with that on i think it's beautifully said yeah and so i'm wondering what because you also tweeted about that you feel like uh, you have to we all have to fight now and Mm -hmm be vigilant so i'm wondering like what is the role of the artist right now like how does that manifest itself for you and you know you wrote we can all must all fight this is about us now our country's Mm -hmm. in our hands so i'm wondering you know your music's this incredibly personal music yeah it it also you know getting ready to get down which is like the big hit off of this record is social commentary but it's very personal Mm -hmm. yeah i'm wondering like so how do you see what's going on in the world affecting what it is that you do or how or why you do what you do well i i've thought about a lot about the role of of music as a social commentary and i i I do believe that there's a spot for all kinds of music during this time period my my belief is that my job is to reflect you know to in my writing to if i'm writing honestly and i'm I'm, you know, my preoccupations will reflect what I feel is going on in the time, not always um, as a mirror, but but as you know, you know, the, the whole like through the glass darkly kind of thing. You know, it's it's out there in in some of the in in, in the songs, and you know, I don't, I you know, I I don't really like to feel like I'm writing protest music or political music, because I don't believe that my job is to educate, you know, and I'm, you know, I feel that, you know, and I'm a musician, I'm not a deep thinker on topics that are as, you know, are very important. I I, keep, I have opinions and I, I try and keep up with everything, but what I believe is uh, that my music should, should reflect it should, I guess I should just say, I, I believe in music that, that shows the time and, and illustrates the time. And that's, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, uh, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, 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 and 
I think it's there in in your music. Do you think that the current that as you're thinking about the characters you you write mm. about, do you think that the situation in the world bleeds in directly at all? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you know, like, there's there there are the thing I've been thinking about are payday loans. You know, those play, you know like that's such a, a present thing, a common new. Th- it, it 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 speaks to our time. Oh yeah, I mean, I, that's great that you say that. I I've been listening to Nebraska a lot. Oh yeah. And it's like he wrote that album five minutes ago. I know. Like for right now. I know. It's I mean, you, amazing. You listen to Johnny 99 and Highway Patrolman and Atlantic City and used cars and the whole thing. It's like the world this second, like these tyrannical figures, you know, Johnny 99 in, in particular and Nebraska. It's like these, you just feel it. The judges and the people mm-hmm. trying to survive mm-hmm. and payday loans. Yeah. I don't think he doesn't specifically mention payday loans, though I- I guess you feel like Johnny 99 probably had gotten one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. But, I mean, you do. Uh, but uh, I think that's, yeah, that's, yeah. we need that now. I mean, I hope you're writing about that stuff uh, yeah. in some way. Yeah, I think that that even, you know, that I feel like what I'm writing about right now, there's just storms everywhere in it, and, you know, in, in whatever way. But there, but, but but that there is like this 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 unsettling kind of gathering of clouds right now and and somehow it will come out you know in music and and you know i'm hopefully not in any other way <laughs> well i think that's a really good note to end on well wow. dark horrible <laughs> uh, but no you said you hope it'll just come out in music and not in any other way man congratulations um you really did knock it out of the park. And, Thank you so much. Uh, it's been, your album has been such great comfort to me in what I think is like the darkest period in our country that I've lived through. And your thank album you. is one of the things that I can go to to change my state. Wow. So, well, I thank you so much for that. Thank you. Well, it's a really uh, honor to be talking. Good. All right, everyone, go. F- you can find Josh. He doesn't tweet a lot, but he's on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at what's your Twitter handle? I'm at Josh Ritter. That's inventive. And uh, just the poetry. Just I'm I'm Brian Koppelman on Twitter. You can email me the moment bk at gmail dot com if uh, you have anything you want to talk about about any of this. I'm always there to listen. Go stream or buy Sermon on the Rocks. I promise uh, you will love it. Um, give it like four songs because I'm not sure that I agree the sequencing birds first is exactly indicative (laughs) of the rest of the record so give it like four four or five songs for all the melodies to hit you but he's right (laughs) good All right, everybody thanks